Chaplain John McTurnan, and this is our Saturday night show, The Outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned last week, or this week, or last show, I'm not sure when, recently, that Saturday night I wanted to change the format for at least for a while of uh, trying to get uh, some good movies and uh, about the histories of outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not only here in America, but anywhere. And also um, any type of uh, movie produced about the great evangelist. Finney comes to mind, and Dio Moody comes to mind. And there's George Whitfield and Billy Sunday. There's a whole bunch of them. So uh, that's what I plan on doing. And this week here, I came up with um, the Jesus Revolution. And it uh, seemed to be a big hit right away. I just want to give you a little background in case you're younger and you 
might not un understand or under be aware of the condition in uh, the late 1960s of the nation. It was uh, embroiled in turmoil over the Vietnam War. I think that that was the issue. I'm trying to think of any other issue. Um, there was some, I guess, racial issues involved too. And um, the college campuses were really, I mean, there were, there was, uh, I remember the National Guard ended up killing some students in Ohio, Kent State, rioting students. Um, there were massive, massive protests on Washington, bombs going off, burnings. If I remember correctly, um, the Black Panthers were active and ended up killing some police officers. I remember a commentary. I never forgot it. <clears throat> I don't know who gave it, but um, the, the rioting was so intense that some commentator said any other country in the world, the government would have fallen except in America. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot of turmoil. And I, I can remember people that I was associating with, we were talking about it and feeling that, you know, this here might really erupt into like some sort of a, a civil war. It's very, very, very similar today, except I would say today is worse. I think it's broader and deeper today. So I have the movie uh, set here and ready to go. It is um, the Jesus Revolution. It's about two hours, so it may run a little uh, late. I just wanted you to know that. And let me get it keyed up here. And I think I, well, before I do that, let me check who's here with me. And I've got uh, Sister Kathy here with me. Hello, Kathy. Good evening. God bless. And I hope I can stay awake. Good gracious. I'm so sleepy. The wind today was blowing 90 miles an hour and pollen right up our nose. So, but I, I, oh, good. It'll be on the archive if yes. I do. Yes, it'll be on the archive. Thank you, Lord. And did yeah. you check out the Letter to the Church documentary? No. That would be no. awesome, too. Okay. Well, let, well, Thank let, you. Remind me that um, after, okay? I will. And then we have Sister uh, Sharon ready. Sharon, you have your popcorn and all ready to go? Yes, I am totally ready to go. And so right. I'm looking forward to this and uh first i would like to let you know that we had a wonderful wonderful time last night in um uh, friday night prayer time and everything and um i would even go as far as to say we had a very special guest with us last night and brother steve steve yeah okay he, he doesn't come in on friday nights usually yeah it's at uh I I said I said to Michael's, oh I said when I tell Chaplain John that you were here on our prayer night and he hasn't seen you for a while and Steve just started roaring with that laugh of his and uh, I was thinking so but uh, well I I want to thank you I want to I want to thank you Sister Sharon for ratting him out you really ratted I did. him out I told him I was going to all right so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a phone call in. To Pastor Fred and tell Fred to ride him hard. That's what we're going to do. Oh, okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, he's going to ride Steve hard. 
Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Pastor Fred today with this whole Steve uh, situation in the church. So it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's fun that we can, uh, uh, like you said, poke at each other. Yeah. Well, I had a big day today. I mean, church was good. And then uh, I took um, uh, my granddaughter and my dog. We had a, it was a pug party. In one of the parks, oh. where, oh, and that that got a, that that got along real good. It, my dog was real. Oh happy. my god! And then uh, I just got home. I mean, we started at three and finished at six, seven, seven thirty. That wow. uh, that prayer event, it, it was good. It was good. I got a chance to speak, I, uh, and I got I got to say everything I wanted. Now in a short period of time, but it went really really good. All right, and uh, we have um, Rita here. Hello, Rita. Hello, Chaplain John. Um, I, I kept tabs on how many people was at uh, last night um, prayer prayer meeting. Uh huh. And it was eleven who was there last night. Okay. All right. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I and since I since I'm on the phone, I think I'm going to hang up and listen and listen to it on the archives tomorrow. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. You, whatever you want to do. And, uh, okay. Uh, last night was a, a really, uh, good night with, uh, Pastor Ernie. Actually, the last two nights were excellent. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it last night. We covered some, uh, important information. I interacted really good with him. And the uh, closing prayer of salvation went really well. He even commented on it that uh, he was really blessed by the closing salvation prayer. So last night was an excellent night for me uh, at on the radio show. All right. So I'm going to button down the hatches here. And this is the Jesus Revolution. And it's about the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started in uh, May of 1968. I was 20 years old. And at that time, I was in a community college on Long Island, Suffolk Community College. And I had, uh, I was going to college and had all sorts of jobs. So, um, I really enjoyed it. I watched this three or four times in the, uh, in the movies. I would have gone for another time, but they, uh, had disconnected it. All right. So here we go. I don't know why it didn't get over. There, no? Hang on, folks. Why isn't that getting over? I see it. It's just, I, I mean, it's actually playing, and I can see it, and I can't get it over. The main monitor is not, I'm very sorry on this. I mean, it's sitting here. I'm looking at it. Well, let me try something else. Huh. Why does this happen? It might be a bandwidth uh, problem because of Trump 
on being on and like whatever. Maybe uh, Tap and John, maybe uh, come out of it and go back into it. That's plain. I mean, I don't know what to say. You see, I it comes up on your screen completely dark, and on I see you can't see it. Maybe is it being blocked? Uh, this stuff doesn't get simple. I don't know. I'm not prepared for anything other than this. Maybe you could help explain it. It's not something to explain. It's something to be experienced. What you're seeing is a symbol of new life. Every regret, every doubt, all washed away forever. It's just, it's not showing. I, let me see if I can get something else across. Josiah, reporter. Greg. You know, people are calling this God's Forever family. You a part of it? Is that what this is to you? Family? I don't know, I don't. I don't really know what a family feels like. How'd you end up here? Yeah, yeah, it's being, it's, it's, uh... Anti war demonstrators protest U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. In mass marches, rallies, and demonstrations. It will not allow it to be played over uh, this OBS. It's being, I guess, being blocked. So everything's working. This here is another one. These kids call themselves hippies and represent a new form of rebellion against the status quo. Yeah, uh, there must be some censoring on it where they won't let it be broadcast like over um obs let me make sure yeah i am broadcasting because um who is jesus messiah is playing yeah i i it will not allow it to go i'm streaming so it's um it's not a technical issue on my part i mean i rented the movie and apparently they will not allow you to um, uh, use it to stream. I, I don't know if that's part of the um, uh, conditions to rent it or not. I didn't, I, I didn't really notice any conditions. So that's it, folks. Can't do it. It's being blocked. I have no idea if you can get around it. I'm not doing it for money, but I guess maybe that that's what they're concerned about. All right. Now, hang on here. Um, Mr. Kathy, any suggestions? Yeah, see if you can get Letter to the Church by Eric Metaxas. Boy, I'm disappointed. Yeah. I was surprised that they would have it where you could live stream it without... You know, with the copyright infringement not being a an issue. Well, I rented it, so how could it? It you know, 
maybe well, if I... for, for public showing, yeah, renting it for home view and then streaming it is a yeah. different thing, I guess. I guess. All right, let's see what we have here. Um, letters to the church to the church. That's it. And documentary. Who was it by? Eric Metaxas. Calvary Church. I don't. I don't know. I guess so. Uh, letter to the American Churches. Eric Metaxas. Okay, yeah. we got it. It's uh, uh, forty-three minutes long. Cool. All right. Now I have. Let's see how this goes. What a blessing to be here. Well, I learned that. I guess I, I'd have to own it. If I bought it to own it, maybe uh, that way you could um, you could do it. Okay, here it is. Letter to the American Church, Eric Met Taxes. Here, unbelievable. You you have something very special in this church. I think you know that. Uh, if you don't know that, you're not paying close enough attention because I see. I mean, first of all, I've gotten to know Skip. And uh, he really, in person, is that tall. It's, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people just put that on in public. But I, as I get to know him, I realize he's exactly that tall, uh, you know, everywhere. And uh, that's just, he's just keeping it real. I want you to know that. But, um, no, I, I have to joke around because it, it is a blessing to get to know people who are the real deal, who are living out their faith, uh, and to see churches that are, you know, again, maybe you don't appreciate what you have here, but this, you know, you've got, what do you call this? This Summerfest? What is this called? Freedom Celebration? Uh, you got, like, Andy Minio? Like, how'd you get him? Uh, Andy Minio, the only reason I know Andy Minio, he was on my radio, pro I have a radio program uh, and, a, and, a, and a TV program, and uh, I, I, I had Andy Minio in, in the studio one time, and I don't typically hang out with rappers. You probably could tell from my double-breasted blazer. But, uh, but, you know, he made me feel, you know, you know, even that move that I just made. He made me feel kind of like, you know, like it was, like I'm cool enough I get to hang out with him. And he dubbed me Easy e Easy, and I thought, oh, I got a rap name now. I'm Easy e Like, hey, yo, Easy e And uh, I, the only problem is, like, there's nothing easy about me. Like, I'm tense e you know. Like, I'm not easy, but thank you very much, uh, Andy Minio. And if you see him, you th thank him for calling me Easy e because I aspire to be easier than I am. I'm just very, I'm just loaded with tension right now. So um, I, there's so much I want to talk to you about. And the, my new book is called Letter to the American Church. And you've got to think, like, how arrogant could you be to write a book with the title Letter to the American Church? Pretty arrogant. I'm pretty arrogant. Um, no, obviously, if you know Jesus, um, you would never write a book like that unless you have serious humility approaching that subject, right? Because I originally was not going to title it that. I was going to call it Faith Without Works is Dead. That's a famous Oscar Wilde quote. You probably didn't know that. Yeah. That faith without works is dead is an uncomfortable quote from the scripture, from the brother of Jesus. How'd you like that pressure? You think you got problems, sibling problems? The brother of Jesus, James, writes, faith without works is dead. That's in the scripture. And I wrote a biography of uh, Martin Luther, 
And Luther, I, I like the idea that the Lord gives us great heroes with feet of clay. Like he always shows us our greatest heroes are the biggest idiots ever at some point, right? We all know about Peter. David was a murderer. You know, Paul was effectively a murderer. Moses was a murderer. And Luther was just an arrogant idiot who tweeted at 2 a.m. when he should never have done that. But Luther, it's kind of funny because the greatest heroes have these moments where you just go like, ah. Luther was so arrogant at some point that he kind of thought like, you know, we're reinventing Christianity and we're going to get rid of the epistle of James. Now, if somebody said to you today, you know what, I don't like that scripture verse. Let's get rid of that. You'd say, I'm sorry, that's, that's heresy. Uh, that's out of the pit of hell. That's antichrist. You need to, you know, Martin Luther was so upset. Now, this gets to the core of my message, is that anything that is good can be twisted into an idol, right? Every good thing can be twisted into an idol that you worship instead of the Lord God. And if you worship anything other than the Lord God himself, you've made an idol. And it's a satanic thing. And the better the thing is that you turn into an idol, the more deceptive it is, right? So you think, what could be, what's a really great thing? Like, what about evangelism? That's a really great thing. People say, oh, there's nothing, nothing more important than evangelism. Well, actually, Jesus is more important than evangelism. So, like, it's a little trick here, right? Because there are people that say, well, I just want to preach the gospel. I want to preach the gospel. Well... Jesus didn't only preach the gospel. Jesus sometimes spoke truth. He denounced corruption and evil, right? So he didn't only preach the gospel. And sometimes we're tempted to just to take one thing and to turn it into an idol. Luther, to some extent, did that with the concept of faith. And you can understand why he did that, right? Because he was living at a time when the church had... You know, we call this mission drift, right? The Church of Jesus Christ, it was the Church of Jesus Christ, but over centuries, there had been some mission drift because it's always our tendency to kind of want to boil things down and make it simple. So the, the medieval church had come up with, you know, we want to simplify this for you. And so if you do this and this and this and this and don't do this and this and this and this, and when you do this and this and this and this, you confess it in this way and this way and this way, da, 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 da. And it's kind of like, you know, a pyramid and you can climb up yourself to heaven. So we kind of cut God out of that, right? And that idea of works, which again, it's, it's always a temptation. That's what religion is apart from God, right? It's works. I'm going to do this and this and I'm going to earn my way to God somehow, right? So Luther appropriately realizes can't be done. I mean, I think I've spoken in this church about, about Luther and his whole story. So he realizes, aha, the scripture says we're saved by faith, 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 faith. So he takes this idea, which is true, but he kind of pushes it a little too far. So far that when he bumps into this scripture in James, faith without works is dead, kind of makes him uncomfortable. And uh, he says, let's get rid of that whole epistle. Now, really, how, how big of a jerk do you have to be? Don't raise your hand. But how big of a jerk do you have to be? And the Lord does this. He, he shows us that the greatest heroes of the faith were the, also the biggest idiots ever at some point. And so Luther wants to get rid of this because he's so in love with this idea of it's faith alone, faith alone, faith alone, that even the suggestion 
that works might be involved, he can't handle that. It's too complicated, right? Well, most of us know that you are not saved by what you do, okay? You know, if you give a lot of money to the church or you do this or you just do that, God looks at your heart. He knows the disposition of your heart and why you're doing what you're doing. And so you can't earn your way to heaven. That's basic. You're saved by faith in what he did for you. Basic, right? But it's, it's never so simple because James writes in the holy word of God, faith without works is dead. In other words, if you say like, I believe and I'm done, God says, well, no, you're not done. If you believe, it will change how you live. And if it doesn't change how you live, it means you don't believe. So you are hellbound after all, if your life is not changed. Now, this is not to make an idol of performance or of works or whatever. But the, the point is, there's always this conundrum. There's this tension in the scripture. There's this tension in truth. There's this tension in worshiping God that it's, it's not just like, that's it. It's simple. No, it's your whole life. You're required to discern every day, you know, with fear and trembling. You're supposed to try to, to say, what is God saying to me right now? It's not like I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. The Lord decides when you're done. When you see him in glory, you're done. But until then we're stuck here And while we're stuck here, it's his will that we're stuck here. He lets us be here for his purposes. So Luther kind of takes this idea of faith and he pushes it so far because he he has seen it pushed so far in the other direction, he's pushing back, right? And again, that's another temptation we always have as believers. We see something bad, we react against it uh, to the point where we get pushed over into the other ditch from reacting against it, right? So... The idea of faith alone, you know, even that doesn't quite make sense. Faith alone. Luther adds the word alone because he wants to underscore it. He wants, it's not about works, it's not about works. But what can happen, and what happened to the German church leading up to the Nazi era, is that they overfocus so much on the concept of faith or grace that they forgot if you have faith or if you have real grace, it will affect how you live totally. Jesus will change everything in your life. So if you're sleeping with your girlfriend and you get saved, you will stop doing that. If you don't stop doing that, it's obvious you're not saved. Or, or if you say, I, uh, I don't need to do anything now. It's all about grace. And so you don't live your life any differently. There, if you understand what he has done of what the price was paid for you, it will change everything. It will make you love God. And if you don't love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, if you don't, if you don't love him utterly, you obviously didn't get it. And so when people make it really simple, like just sign this common card and you know, you're done. It's like, well, no, theoretically now you've just crossed the starting line. And until you see him face to face, he has works for you to do. He wants you to live out your faith in every single way. And so Bonhoeffer, some of you know the story of Bonhoeffer, but when he comes along, he sees the rise of the Nazis in Germany in the 1930s. He sees that the church is not prepared. He sees that the church has gotten so over-focused on the concept of grace and faith 
that they kind of act like, well, we don't need to do anything. We don't want to get political. We don't want to stand against the Nazis. Uh, we just want to preach the gospel. We just want to... They, they had boiled things down so that being a Christian just means some theological stuff. Well, trust me, that's the devil's version of Christianity. Just keep in your little theological lane. If it ever goes out of that lane, uh-uh, you're being political. Don't let it affect your life. It's just something you believe in your mind. That's not the faith of the scripture. Now, an example uh, to, to use, if you just applaud it, you can leave because you obviously get this. The rest of you, don't move. Don't move. So, if you, if, if you read the scripture about God's idea of faith, and again, this, this, this gets to a very Western enlightenment idea of faith. We act like faith is this intellectual ascent to doctrines. And one of the idols, one of the big idols that, that Christians worship instead of Jesus is an idol of theological purity. Have you, have you met people like that? They, they, they have beards, they drink scotch, they read Spurgeon and John MacArthur, right? You know those guys? I'm just trying to be provocative. But I'm saying, have you met people that they're so in love with theology that they love when they can find where you're wrong and you're, you're going to hell because you don't believe this or this or this or this? You can make an idol of theological purity. You're supposed to worship Jesus, not an idol of theological purity. But there are people who just say, it's just these things. Do you believe these things? Yes, you're in. Do you disbelieve any of these things? You're out. Um, it's not what you say you believe. I mean, if somebody says, what, what is your faith? What do you believe? You say, well, go to the, my church's website. There's a statement of faith. I believe that. And the devil, can, he looks at your life, and he can see whether you actually believe that or if you're just pointing to that as a fig leaf to fool God or to fool whoever you want to fool. Your life shows what you really believe. And the fact is that Bonhoeffer saw that the German church, as the Nazis were rising, they had so focused on this idea of grace that they didn't think that they had to live out their faith. When the Nazis were, were gaining power, and when I say the Nazis were gaining power, I mean as evil was taking over that nation, Bonhoeffer knew that it was the role of the Church of Jesus Christ to stand against it in every way possible. The Church is the conscience of the state. But many of them had taken in the idea that, no, 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 it's just about faith, it's just about what I believe, I don't need to actually live it out or do anything, it's all about grace. So he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship where he talks about this concept of cheap grace, right? It's like cheap faith. Like you say, it's faith alone, faith alone. Yeah, but it better be actual faith not just faith that you say is your faith. And it better be real grace, because if you don't understand the price that he paid, then you don't really have that faith or that grace. So Bonhoeffer was trying to wake up the German church. And long story short, if you know the story, he was like an Old Testament prophet who, whose voice went unheeded. He kept trying to tell them, what is happening now is evil, and you, the church, must stand now. You have an ability to stand now. You have an ability to make your voice heard now. In five minutes, you won't. Now, you could talk about anything like that, right? Some of you have money. We all have freedom. We have a voice. We have influence. We can vote. We can be politically activated. We can be active in our culture. We can do all kinds of things. We can post things um, on social media. We all have things and abilities, things that we can do. Are we using them for God's purposes? Are we using them in such a way 
that we're saying, yeah, I might lose something, but, but God has called me to this. Bonhoeffer was trying to get the church to do that then. In 1932, 33, he's trying to wake up the church and say, you've been playing church. Your grace is cheap grace. If we do not live out the faith, the real faith of Martin Luther, that he was willing to die for his faith, if we don't have that kind of Christian faith, the enemy's going to roll right over us. Because it's only that kind of faith in Jesus that can stand against evil. Your little church faith can't stand against evil. And so, eventually he coins the term religionless Christianity. My next book, which will come out next year, I use that title, Religionless Christianity, because he was saying, we've just been religious. We've just been, we go to church and we say we're Christians, but we, we have not really been living out the faith 24-7. And God died on the cross to defeat death, to defeat death so that you would be free to live out your faith totally with no fear because you don't even fear death because you know he defeated death on the cross. So even if someone kills you, guess what? You don't die. Did you know that? Or do you just hope that? If you just hope that, you're a fool. You need to know that because it's true. You don't hope one plus one equals two. You know. And when you know something, you live differently. Bonhoeffer knew that. He was trying to get the church in Germany to know that this is the faith God has called us to. We don't get like a special carve out because we're Germany. We gave the world Luther and Protestantism so we can just kind of hang back and go to our nice church on Sunday morning and everything's good. No, there are people dying for their faith all around the world. We're supposed to participate with them. We're supposed to die to self and live out our faith and whatever we can do that they can't do in countries where they kill you for your faith, we need to do that. But the German church, like the American church today, said, well, you know what? Not yet. Wait a minute. You're being kind of a hothead. It's, uh, it's not that bad. The pendulum swings back and forth, and we, we, don't need to, we don't need to take political action or stand up against the government. Or hey, Romans 13, it's real clear. We're supposed to do whatever the government says. Maybe they, they skipped the book of Esther. Um, are you familiar with the book of Esther? Some of you maybe only know the VeggieTales version of Esther. And I want to say I'm very proud of that. I have, I, I'm the voice of the narrator on the VeggieTales version of Esther. That's my real claim to fame. All these, you know, bestsellers and stuff. Who cares about that? VeggieTales. So, but in the book of Esther, what do you have? You have a Jew, Mordecai, who tells the government to jump in a lake, go to hell, do whatever you want to do. I will not bow to the government. I bow to God. I will never not do that because I trust God. I fear God. I will never, never, never do what the government tells me to do when it contradicts what God tells me to do. That is the book of Esther in the Old Testament. This is like not a new thing that we came up with. This is as basic as it gets in the scripture. You worship God. You love God. You fear God. And when the government tells you something different, no, you don't go with that. So Romans 13 has been, it's one of those things that, you know, people kind of pump it up into like, that's the whole Bible. No, not, not quite. Not quite. You know, if you want to drive 99 miles an hour, yeah, you're supposed to admit to the government authority. You're not supposed to do that, okay? The government authorities are supposedly put there for you. But when the government authorities tell you to do stuff that is wrong or when the government lies to you, 
you're, you're not supposed to go like, well, okay. That's not biblical. So Bonhoeffer was trying to get the German people who had really been trained to think this way, that we're just supposed to do whatever the government does, that we don't have a separation of church and state, the, the church and the state, they, they work together, twin authorities, it's all good. He was trying to get them to say, like, excuse me, um, that's not working anymore. The head of the state is now Adolf Hitler, and the Nazis are fundamentally atheistic. They're going to play the game. They're going to pretend to be Christian, just like cultural Marxists, uh, you know, uh, critical race theory. They're going to talk a good game about, oh, we're against racism, we're against evil, we're against bad stuff, whatever it is. Based on what? You're atheists. You don't, you don't believe in good or evil. You're gaslighting us, right? But people, we kind of want to go along with it. We don't want any trouble. The Germans didn't want any trouble. And Bonhoeffer is trying to say, like, no, you don't understand. The Nazis, not only are their views antithetical to scripture and atheistic, they're satanic. And we need to recognize this now, and we need to speak up against it now. Why now? Because we can now. And in 10 minutes, we won't be able to. Because the Nazis are going to keep gaslighting us and playing this game and trying to keep the church asleep. Because it's a wonderful thing if you can keep the church asleep. Because while the church is sleeping, you can do more and more, enact more and more laws that are antithetical to everything righteous and good and true. And at some point, if the church doesn't wake up and stand up and do something, they're done. And you can say, ha-ha, church, I fooled you. And you can crush the church, which was your plan all along. That's what the Nazis wanted to do all along. Hitler was not stupid. He hated the church. And he knew that many of the Lutheran pastors, I mean, the things that he said about them behind the scenes, he, he just had tremendous contempt for them because he knew they were cowards. He knew they wanted their paycheck. He knew they, did, they were afraid to speak up. And he thought, well, I can use that. The devil can use that, folks. The devil uses that. Bonhoeffer tried to wake up the church before it was too late, and we know now that it didn't work. The church waited and waited, and by the time some of them looked around and said, oh, 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 I, now we understand what's going on, it was too late. Now, I wrote the book Letter to the American Church in a sense to say that is precisely what is happening in the American church today. The American church today generally speaking, right? Obviously, uh, I don't think this is true of my friend Pastor Skip, otherwise I wouldn't be here, but there are tons of pulpits that they just want to pretend like there's, a, there's an easy way, we don't need to choose, we don't need to get political, we don't need to get involved, we don't, we don't need to, we don't want to talk about any of that controversial stuff. Well, the Lord created you and died for you and anointed you and appointed you to speak about that controversial stuff. Why? Because human lives depend on it. And if you claim to love those outside this building, you're going to speak the truth for their sake, if not for your sake, for the sake of the families that, that, that they don't know what to think. They're looking around thinking things are going insane. What, what's happening? They don't know what to do. They're sending kids to their public schools and their kids are coming home with these ideas. For their sake, the Church of Jesus Christ needs to stand up and speak up. For their sake. So Bonhoeffer calls this Faith in action. In other words, faith in your head is a joke. Faith in your head is a fig leaf. It's useless. You know, it's like, it's like the guy who's, uh, I'm trying to think, there was, uh, 
I think in the 1890s, there was a, a high-wire artist named Charles, Charles Blondin who would walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope wire, and he would push a wheelbarrow back and forth. And I don't know if the story's apocryphal or if he did it, but, you know, he says, do you, do you believe that I could push, you know, that I could put 200 pounds in the wheelbarrow and I could push it across, and the crowds are cheering, yes, 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 yes. So he points to a, a man, and he says, okay, please get in the wheelbarrow. Now you know whether that person actually believes or he was just talking. Do you actually believe? If you actually believe, you will trust God. If you actually believe, you will not fear death. If you actually believe, you will live out your faith in a way that dares God to act because you know God will act because you know God is real. You don't hope he's real. You know he's real. And that's the faith that the Lord calls us to at all times, but at particular times. And in Bonhoeffer's day, he was calling the church in Germany to stand up, but they had become so comfortable and so used to the idea that God would never allow us to descend into any kind of evil. We're Germany. Well, he did allow them. And what happened was a satanic nightmare made possible by the Christians who were silent in the face of evil made possible by the Christians who said, we don't have to choose. We just want to be nice. We don't want to get in any trouble. And that example comes to us today. We're living at a time, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we weren't seeing insane things happening around where everybody, not just Christians, everybody is saying, what is going on? Who decided that or that or that or that? What is happening? Well, I believe, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. So that, that the Lord is allowing these horrible things to wake up those who are not yet awake. What's it going to take? And, and we've seen examples of this very recently that are so dramatic. I mean, when you see huge American corporations doing what looks like committing suicide, right? In other words, you, you, you kind of want to say to the people at Anheuser-Busch, like, excuse me, how stupid could you conceivably be to hire people infinitely stupider even than you to run your ads and to hire a dude who's insane, who dresses as a woman, to be the face of this pseudo-beer. Not that anybody would actually drink Bud Light and admit it in public. But the point is, like, does it take that? Like, because that's a level of lunacy beyond anything you could dream of. That, that is the middle finger to every American family, to every church person. That is what was once a respected brand. And by the way, it's anheuser Bush. It's not just Bud Light. So don't let the, the fake macho Harley Davidson commercials fool you, okay? If you ever buy another Anheuser-Busch product, I'm looking at you as the problem. Now, that, not, maybe that sounds harsh, but you know what? I'm not preaching here next week, so I don't care. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, People are willing to go to their death for their faith in Jesus. Are you willing not to shop there? Or is that too much for you? Is that asking too much of your faith? 
That's spiritual warfare. You got to fight three minutes of traffic to get to that other place. Anybody who ever steps foot in Dodger Stadium or in a Target store. Now, why do I say this, folks? People say, oh, that's so activist. Let me tell you something. If we do not push back against this, if we confuse our faith with inaction and being nice and smiling, there's a famous phrase, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. You're not fooling God. You're not fooling the devil. The devil is cheering you on when you do nothing. But there are voices that will say, ah, you're being political. You're being divisive. Do you not think those voices existed in the time of William Wilberforce? William Wilberforce, because of his faith in Jesus, did something unbelievably unpopular at the time. He stood against the slave trade. Now we cheer him, right? Now it's easy to cheer him because we, we figured out, oh, yeah, slavery is bad. The slave trade is evil. So we're going to side with Wilberforce. It's not costing us anything. But in his day, plenty of people said, you're being political. And what do you think his answer would be? Like, you think I'm being political? There are human beings suffering the tortures of the damned, and you clearly don't care about them. And Jesus died for you so that you would care about them and pray for them and do anything you can to save them from that hell, and you're doing less than nothing. Do you think God will not judge you for that? That was Wilberforce, and he had a battle in his day against something that we now go, oh, that's so easy. Slavery, come on. Well, Bonhoeffer went through the same thing. He was trying to wake people up. The Nazis are doing this. And they said, well, you know, there's grace for that. It'll work out in the end. We just need to pray for Hitler. Well, there's nothing wrong with praying for Hitler. But you can do more than that. You can take action. But the German church said, well, we don't, we're not prepared to take action. We just want to preach the gospel. They had made an idol of evangelism. That there was just one thing to think about. That's not biblical. Now, if it was biblical, I would say, go for it. And if you lose, you lose. But that's not biblical. Scripturally, God calls us to take our faith into every sphere. And by the way, when you do that, when you sign this petition against the government's overreach in, uh, in New Mexico, when you do all those things, trust me when I tell you, you will accomplish more evangelism doing that than you have any idea. Because there are people looking to the church of Jesus Christ. Do you really believe what you say you believe? Are you willing to stick your neck out? Because if you are, that might move my heart toward the God you claim to worship. But when you do nothing, when you just kind of want to smile through it, they realize, you know what? That's just your brand. That's just what you do. That's just your tribe. There's no reality behind it. We're commanded to love God. And, and I think a lot of people kind of think like, well, I just... I just don't want any trouble. I don't want to be too passionate about my faith. We're living at a time right now, folks, where God is calling us to choose. There's just no doubt about it. Just as in Bonhoeffer's day, Bonhoeffer was practically begging the church, church, if you stand now, you can stand against this Nazi juggernaut. There was a time in 32, 33, 34, if the church had heard God's voice, and stood together against this and was willing to pay the price. And yes, some of you will die, parentheses, you don't really die. Think about that. If you live that way, only then are you really free. The Lord died so that you would be free. And if you live that way, only then are you truly living. Only then are you living out your faith. 
And Bonhoeffer said, if you do that, church, we can stand against the satanic wickedness of the Nazis. But a lot of people said, what satanic wickedness? I don't really see it yet. Well, we know what happened. They didn't stand. So the question today is, will the American church stand against different kinds of wickedness, different kinds of evil, but it's the same devil in hell. So is our problem nationalism? No. I laugh when people say, what about Christian nationalism? I go like, what, what about it? Please somebody tell me where the big problem is. Like what channel are you watching that you think this is an issue? Today we're facing globalism, the erasure of our borders. Now, by the way, if you're against child rape, you want to take a real brave stand against child rape, can you get on board with that? If you don't believe in a southern border... Do you understand the evil that is coming in, that cartels? These are some of the most violent people, and we're turning a blind eye to it. And people say, well, if you bring it up, you're racist. Do you let that affect you, that somebody says, you're racist? You should worry if you're actually a racist. But if you're not a racist, you should tell that person, please shut up, because human beings' lives are at stake. And I'm a Christian, and God calls me to die to self, and to live for others. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. And you want to say that's political. And I'm going to say, you're making it political. This is about human beings. This is about sexual trafficking. This is about evil, folks. This is about evil. And when you're dealing with evil, there's only one answer to evil. It's God. But the question is, are we living out our faith in such a way that we are depending on God? When people tell you don't be political or don't, don't be controversial, I just want to tell you, that's their way of telling you, shut up. They're not really interested in a conversation. They're afraid of a conversation because they're afraid that their lack of ideas will be exposed. So they can only bully you. This is what the enemy does. He just wants to bully you into silence. And many times it works in the church. It worked in the church in Germany, and it has been working in the church in America. There are tons and tons of people persuaded that I don't need to choose. I'm going to take a safe religious path. I'm just going to smile and preach the gospel. Well, you know, if somebody was being murdered or raped out here, and you just said, well, I just want to worship right now, what do you think God would think of you? That's game playing, and it's really evil because it's using religion to game play. God calls us to action, to live out our faith. The famous uh, Dutch theologian, Abraham Kuyper, once said, there's not one square inch in all of creation over which Jesus Christ, who is sovereign, does not say, mine. The Lord calls us to take our faith into every sphere, into the media, into medicine, into uh, the academy, into education, into politics, into everything. Because God's ideas, when you bring them into these other spheres, are going to bless people. When Wilberforce and others had this crazy biblical idea that we're all made in the image of God and slavery is an abomination, that blessed people. That was not an imposition. So when people said, well, I don't want to impose my views, well, because you don't love the people that are suffering. There are people suffering when you don't speak up. Now, Wilberforce was facing a tremendously evil culture in his day. And there were voices in that day saying to him, why bother? 
You can't do it. It's, slavery has been here since the beginning of time, which is true. As long as human beings have been around, been around there's been evil, there's been humans subjugating other human beings. It's been around since the beginning of time, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know that's the voice of the devil. When people tell you, when people told Ronald Reagan, the Soviet Union will never go away. All we can do is make peace with it. And he said, I don't want to make peace with it. I want to go to war with it. I want, I want to bring down that evil empire because there are human beings on the other side of, of that wall, that iron curtain, who are suffering horrors. And if there's anything I can do about it with my voice, with my freedom, with the strength of the United States, I want to use my voice because God loves those people. But there are plenty of voices at the time saying, no, 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 don't, don't get involved. That's not going anywhere. The iron curtain is not going anywhere. Roe v. Wade will never, ever, ever be repealed. Don't you understand? Don't waste your prayers. Don't waste your efforts. That's the voice of the devil, folks. And that voice is alive in the church, saying it's not worth it. God has already judged us. It's over. You know, go to your, go to your uh, root cellar with the Slim Jims and the water purifying tablets and just hang out because Jesus is going to be here in 10 minutes. And why, why bother fighting? That's not God. God calls us to fight. God calls the church to be the church because he says, you have no idea what I can do if you obey me in this. Unless you obey me, you will never see what I can do. When we think of the parting of the Red Sea, if they had not followed Moses out to that place, they never would have seen the hand of God deliver them. Unless we put ourselves out into that place, we will never see the hand of God. And I'm here to tell you, when people tell you there's nothing you can do, folks, all of the wickedness that has been unleashed, all of the madness, the transgender lunacy, that you don't need to be a born-again believer to understand it's lunacy, okay? People all over this country who don't go to church know that a rooster cannot lay an egg. They don't, they don't need to do Bible study, Okay? They don't need to read about God made us in his image, male and female. They already get that. So it's particularly shameful when the church doesn't get that. And all of these things, God is looking to his church and saying, church arise, church arise, church arise. Now is your time. But he doesn't force us. He says, if you want to play your religious game and stay in your religious lane and, and, and just preach your dead little gospel because you're afraid to talk about anything outside this little theological lane, I will allow you to do that. It was C.S. Lewis who said, you know, at some point, if we don't say to God, thy will be done, he will say to us, thy will be done. And that's judgment. Judgment falls. Judgment falls on the people of God all through the Old Testament. Judgment falls on the people of God when we do not do what he calls us to do, and we do not arise as his church and his people in faith, in fearless faith, he eventually gives us over. And many of us in America kind of think like, well, you know, evil can't come here. We've just gotten a taste of it, just a taste of it, in authoritarian government overreach like we never would have dreamt, in levels of madness on every, in every direction that none of us would have dreamt. But that's the Lord saying, look, look at this, look at this, look at this. Do you want a thousand times more? Continue to do nothing. This is just a warning to show you 
apart from me, what will happen? It happened in Germany, one of the most Christian nations, one of the most wonderful, sophisticated nations. That church was sure none of that stuff could ever, ever happen until it happened. Now, they didn't have the excuse of an example. We have the example of the German church, so we have no excuse. I should say they, they, they did have the excuse because they had never seen this before. We've seen it happen. If you're familiar with my Bonhoeffer book, that's the longest book I ever wrote. The shortest book I ever wrote is Letter to the American Church, which kind of explains a lot of what I'm saying and a lot more. And by the way, the book is so short that I really recommend that you buy two or three copies. Um, but I want to say that this is where we are now. If we're not willing to make sacrifices now, if we're not willing to live out our faith totally now, tomorrow it will be too late. Tomorrow the money that you're saving, the freedom that you're hiding, whatever it is that you're doing, that will be taken away from you. You can use it now, and the Lord calls you to use it now, but if you don't, it will be taken away from you. When you read scripture, you see what happened to the people of God in the Old Testament over and over and over again. Now, I know that's not the Lord's will. I I believe the Lord sovereignly called me to write this book and to talk about this. Uh, I'm certainly not the only one, but because he wants us to wake up. If the church in America will activate its faith and get our faith out of our heads and into the streets and into our lives and into everything we live and do as though we actually believe what we claim to believe, I believe we will see things we could never have dreamt of. I believe we will see things like the parting of the Red Sea. I believe we will see evangelism and reformation. I believe we will see God do things. But he has for some reason entrusted us with whether that happens or doesn't. We are the ones, we, the church of Jesus Christ, are the ones who are called to be the conscience of the state. We are called to live out our faith and prove that we believe what we say we believe by putting it into action. There's no safe third way. This is what God has called us to do. It's a holy moment for the church of Jesus Christ that we get to be alive now, that the Lord is allowing us to see these things so that we will wake up now and that we will help others who are still sleeping to understand God has called you to this moment for something that he wants to do. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to have the joy, the privilege of being a part of it, but he won't force you. Folks, this is a holy opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to put our faith into action, to kick away our fear, and to understand that the Lord looks to his people. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at mystory@calvarynm.church. And just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvarynm.church/give. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church. This is an important book. It's very timely. Okay, let me get over here. All right. Now, let's see. Oh, Sister Sister Kathy's gone. Sister Sharon, hello. 
Hello, Chaplain John. I enjoyed that. And um, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And he's right that if we don't get moving, nothing's going to happen. Right. We have to be involved in everything that's going on. Yeah. Well, the church really should be right. starting it. All right, Rita, are you there, Rita? Yes, Rita? Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. I'm still here. I think it's too late, maybe for America. I don't know. We need to pray. We need to get more active. We need to quit saying yesterday, I'll do it tomorrow, and do it today. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, just you two here tonight. Uh, folks, if you just are turning in or turning in lately, uh, tuned in rather. Um, oh, no, here's Sister Kathy. Sister Kathy's here. I was here's listening. Here. Yeah, I just hung up while it was on because the tape is delayed. So I thought I'd just do it that way. Okay. So you've mm -hmm. seen this before? No, no, I just heard about it. Oh, you were recommended. Okay. Mm -hmm. So right. what? Is, what is your? Um, what's your take on it then? Well, I thought it was very uh, intent, you know, very con perfect. Can't think of the word. Okay. What did you think about it? That's good. It's good, mm -hmm. Sister Kathy. I thought it was good. I actually thought it was more clips and because it said documentary. I don't exactly call that a documentary, but it was good. And I appreciate his... Um, all in, you know, not, not holding back. Yeah, I see. I'm I'm lost now because I just was going to relax for tonight and watch the show. <laughs> so I don't know what to do now. Unless uh, I guess we're just going to have to play some music, folks. What do you think? I don't I don't see anything else to do. No. Uh, well. Let's uh, let's start off with some music here, and um, yeah, I I don't know what to do. Well, hang on here for a second. Um, um, all right. Well, uh, any song, Sister uh, Karen, you're up in the pecking order there. You're uh, first. Uh, any song okay. that you would like? Uh, well. Um Either All My Tears or How Great Thou Art, or both of them. All My Tears is always ready to go. Amen. Here we go. Be 
Okay, and um, just hang on here for a moment. I want to see if there's anything I can, I want to put in there, Jesus Revolution. I feel like a kid being disappointed at Christmas. I want to put in here about the movie and see what we come up with. Something extra, maybe, that, nah. hmm. Well, it's, it's actually just too late. I'm thinking about finding, but it's two hours. Uh, it's two hours long, so I'm not thinking in the right. Uh, it's, oh, yeah, it's an hour and 55 minutes, 59 minutes. So, okay. And PJ's here. Hello, Paula Jean. Yes. Um, I'd always, I had been interested in what it is that he had written to the church. Um, and I was grateful that you played that. Okay. And I'm just wondering, really, who he was, which churches he was writing to, because, you know, my my perspective is a lot of the churches that are not promoting 
of vibrant looking to the Lord throughout the day or, you know, at least more than once a week for guidance concerning what he's calling people to do. Um, those who are just simply making church be the the answer for the people, whether they would even know how to change their walk with the Lord so they could do what he's calling them to do, what which God is calling us to do. But it's like, I think it calls for more prayer by those who are already praying for those who have no clue really where they're falling down and need to have a clue that their eyes and their ears will all of a sudden open. Their heart will awaken to what's been missing. And maybe if they listen to this, they'll ask themselves the question. But I I didn't see a lot of real answers as to how to proceed from listening to it, unless the people already knew about how to proceed by going on their knees before the Lord. But um, I don't know. I want to pray over the whole thing because what he, you know, is talking about is very valid. It's just um, I think there's still more that we need for for the change to take place. That's all. Okay. Okay. So thank you for listening. All right. And then we and have, for asking. Yeah. Uh, we have someone calling in here from Houston. Hello. Hello. Yes. Um, I was wondering, like, um, why is God so much crueler in the Old Testament as opposed to the the New Testament? Where I don't know. I've always been curious about that. Um, uh, crueler in what sense? Yeah. Hello. Yeah, that's um, that question you heard. I I ran into that a lot. And the, the one that they usually use is um, uh, when um, the, the children of Israel were coming back into the land and they were told to kill all of the uh, uh, the ites, I call them the ites. Uh, so my answer to that is, what were the ites doing? So uh, I don't know if this person's still listening or not. It's supposed to be a gotcha one. So let me uh, go over here. I'll show you what they're doing. And then we'll we'll explain a little bit about uh, the lead into it. It's in Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus 18. And here's, okay, let's let's look at um, the beginning of Leviticus 18, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not go. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do, neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Their ordinances. All right, so... Verse 18 tells us, uh, chapter 18 tells us about the ordinances. And we'll go down here and we'll, we'll look at it. Verse 20. 
Starting at verse 20, Moreover, thou shalt not like carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire of Moloch, neither shall thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. All right, so the first one there is, uh, I should have explained it, um, there is uh, adultery in the, all the ones before it's a lot have to do with fornication. Uh, then is child sacrifice. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Uh, there's homosexuality. Neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself there, therein. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereunto. It is confusion. All right. That is bestiality. Defile not ye yourselves with any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. So uh, these nations now that the uh, have done these uh, uh, ordinances, uh, they're being cast out off the land. Israel is God's agent to do it. Uh, and the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land shall vomit out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment. Thou shalt, thou shalt not commit any of these abominations. Now that's the key I'm looking for. Abominations. Neither any of your own uh, nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all the, um, for all the abominations have the men of this land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. Whoops, 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 whoops. That slipped back. Uh, therefore you shall keep my ordinances, uh, and you shall commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein, and any uh, therein I am the Lord your God. All right, so these are abominations and its customs this they were practicing this the ordinances they were uh, the the Canaanites this was the way they lived the culture was completely given over to it so let's go back to Genesis 15 and Abraham uh, God's telling Abraham about why he's He's going to send them into Egypt. And also that nation, verse 14, whom they shall serve, I will judge. That's Egypt. And afterwards they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in, in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come again, hither again, with the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full the iniquity of the amorites is not yet full so god the amorites then became the canaanites and um so what happened was god dealt with these uh, amorites canaanites for 400 years it says there but the fourth generation shall thou hither come Again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. 
so Leviticus 18 tells us what the um, Amorites were doing because it doesn't stay here in Genesis 15 16 but God gave them 400 years and they didn't uh, turn from it they got worse and then the culture was completely given over to it and that's when the judgment came after 400 years uh, so I think God was very merciful and for what they were practicing was I mean child sacrifice that was to Moloch uh, that was their culture that that was what was ingrained in them bestiality homosexuality um, all, all sorts of well, heterosexual stuff too and the lamb was defiled so from my perspective uh, God was very merciful uh, before the judgment fell so if that man is listening um, that's my answer to you uh, God always warns before judgment and man is very sinful very wicked and uh, this culture was just riddled who knows what diseases involved in bestiality and all that, who what diseases were rampant in that culture um, and God uh, at this point decided that they had to be uh, exterminated sister Kathy any uh, comment on that yeah because here's the deal there was law and there's grace just like Eric was talking about we've got grace now but we have to put action behind it too just because we can say we've got grace we can't get away with everything but there just was that was the type and the shadow of here's the law and here is mercy and grace so thank god we weren't would thank for the old testament so there's a lot of people that feel that way and there's also a lot of people that want to go back to the Judaism practices. One lady said, I don't think we should, you know, like all the days of the week are named after gods and we're invoking the name of the old gods when we say Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. I'm like, well, what do you think we should do? change the names how are we going to notify people that we're not we're going to change the names of people because we're invoking old gods you know so it, it just it's a new that was the old wine skin in the old testament this is the new wine skin in the well new sister testament. kathy i want to just clear up something here when we get to leviticus 18 um uh, the uh, Canaanites were not under the law of Moses. No. No. So that judgment. Only they were. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But also, uh, when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, they weren't under the law of Moses. So the moral law is, is still in effect. And Jude warns that any nation that practices, so does Second Peter. What they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah can expect the same judgment. Now, we haven't quite reached, I don't think, uh, in, on this side of uh, the cross, I don't know if the nations have qu quite reached what the Canaanites were doing and Sodom and Gomorrah was doing. Uh, but we are 
heading into that as uh, the world with like now we're into homosexual marriage and then we're tampering with the uh, gender of children promoting homosexuality in kindergarten and first and second grade and and all sorts of lewd uh what do you call those people sister kathy um oh there's a the big push on it exposing kids to that now uh, not transgender. Well, yeah, they are that, but um, the men that dress up as women and they they uh, they're performing in front of the kids. Oh yeah, okay. What are they called? Uh, like RuPaul, a guy, one guy uh, called RuPaul, and but I I don't know. I, but what, anyways. Yeah, uh, so we're heading towards, well, the Bible says that it would be like the days of Noah and uh, and Sodom and all that. So we can expect that judgment now uh, as, uh, when I say we, I mean man in general, can expect that judgment that um, the Canaanites received and so did uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. Amen. Okay. I wonder where he came from. Yeah. Very interesting that he didn't stay. I guess. Oh, oh, so he's not the wireless caller? I don't know where he came from. He just came in here. He's from out of the Houston. Its location was Houston. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Kathy was here. All right. Uh, Paula Jean, is there a particular song you would like? Well, actually, um, I had a question. Is that okay? Sure. I had a question without an answer. <laughs> um, yeah, it has to do with, you know, with all of this open border and the bringing in of the drugs, the illegal drugs, and the sex trafficking. Um my understanding is that when those girls and boys are trafficked, they're required to do whatever their renter or person with them for a period of time asks for them to do. And to me, that is bringing in any number of problems sexually, let alone the fact that we're forcing people to do it and um, and it's not you it's not me but unless the nation takes the steps that are necessary to stop what has been allowed to freely happen um, I believe that there is something to be held against you know our nation and my pr I do have a prayer you know that the Lord will be merciful for uh those who are being subject to what's going on right now and that those who are allowing it be convicted in their spirit, but, um, you know, and stop it, turn it around. And I know the likelihood of that is pretty strongly difficult unless the Lord really has mercy on us and convicts them in the spirit enough so that they change their mind and realize they're subjecting themselves to a very serious 
punishment. And unless they un- understand that, they're not going to change their mind. So um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, do you think that we may have mercy on those of us that aren't involved but really would like for it all to stop? It's very interesting. Um, I'm trying to find this article. I saw it today, and it had to do about Texas and the attorney general in Texas. Yeah, here it is right here. Texas AG Ken Paxton says Biden clearly in partnership with human trafficking cartels. Yeah. Now, I mean, the state of Texas is getting bolder and bolder and bolder. And and, uh, in addition to that, I mean, the border is pretty well getting closed down in Texas. Um, uh, But not my state. No, they're going to your state now. The ones that were coming here are going to California and Arizona. But uh, we've got the National Guard. um, Just about every day locally you'll hear stuff. The National Guard from Florida, it's either here or on the way. Florida, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, South Dakota, Alaska. Oh, praise the Lord. I think Montana. And Texas is building ports along the uh, border. Now, it's not um, the old forts we think, uh, like in the Wild West. These are housing for um, up to 2,000 troops, and they're putting them every so many miles along the border. So, And then they're miles, and they're putting miles and miles and miles of the razor wire up. So the Texas border is going to be pretty well uh, fortified pretty soon. And uh, there'll be no trafficking and drug dealing and all that coming. uh, Drug, uh, uh, not dealing, but drug, uh, I don't know, I can't think of the word, smuggling um, into Texas. What I, and I'm not sure if this answers your question. Of course, it's only my opinion. But I think God is going to uh, not judge America as a whole. I think it's going to come down more to states. Yeah, that's where I am. But he hasn't chosen to move me out yet. (laughs) And uh, it's a pretty scary thing. California may get so bad, you may have to flee like uh, out out of Sodom. Yeah, I know. I have like friends back in New York, and I'm telling them, uh, "Look, you, you, it's you can't live there anymore. This is what they're doing, and it, it's only a matter of time before anybody that, unless there's something huge happens, um, it's only a matter of time before they don't they'll force you out." Well, I'm praying that there's going to be a a major. Um change in the way our voting is done in California because I believe that there are more people who would um, have gotten the vote differently and I believe that there may have been a different vote than what we saw because when the, the word went out to get rid of Newsom nobody knows why that did not go through 
And um, so I'm praying that the good Lord address whatever there is, whatever loopholes there were uh, to cause the vote to go the way it has been, that any loopholes be closed down and that people's votes start counting and that the state elections change. But right now I'm not really uh, looking at a lot of strength in the people that have been raised up uh, to replace him. So uh, I'm just praying for wisdom myself for my voting because I honestly don't believe that the one that's being put out there as um, to MAGA or whatever is really what he's being put out there as. There are some things that I've read that have me in total question. So I'm just looking to the Lord to help me sort it out and do my part the way I uh, am supposed to for his His direction. And that's all I can do. But yeah, I I have to be ready to go if he says go. And I agree with that. Okay, um, this is Paxton now, uh, the Attorney General Paxton from Texas. Uh, okay. And Joe Biden is clearly in partnership without saying it, without having a written contract with the cartels. He has told them openly, bring as many people here as possible, as fast as you can. You don't have to hide from us anymore. So... I mean, it, it's it, it, I, it would be wonderful if that whole structure in the federal government that was doing this with Homeland Security and all, if the state of Texas could arrest them, uh, I'm sure there, there, there are state charges that arrest yes. them. And it's time for a showdown with the federal government. We th This is a rogue... How to, I mean, absolutely evil government now. Criminals. Yes. It's like, uh, it's like Al Capone and the Chicago mobsters have taken over the federal government. And they're flaunting it. I mean, just that statement that you read is flaunting the evil yes. that they're doing. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like I said. It's like the cartels have taken all. All right. Um, let's see what. Uh, well, Paula Jean, is there any song that you would like? I am not coming up with a song and a singer. So I'm going to wait until I accumulate some song and singer combinations so that I can give it to you so you, okay. you don't find the wrong one. <laughs> all right. I was traumatized by, by, by my past failures. <laughs> okay. Sister Kathy, I don't think okay. I did. We did I ask you about a song? No, you didn't. I was patiently waiting. Ah. I'm having a, <laughs> I'm having a dilemma though. I'm wondering if I won't send the light or when the roll is called up yonder. So I'm going to let you pick it. Oh, when the roll is called up yonder. All right. By anybody. Um. Huh. All right, let's go. When the roll is called up yonder, here we go, and let's see who we have now. We have, wow, the Gaithers, nineteen million hits. Ooh, 
Alan Jackson. Wow. They have a, they're singing this. I don't know what country it is, but it's either Russia or the Ukraine, some Eastern country. Simon Chlorolsky. Johnny Cash. Let's go with the Gaithers. Statler Brothers. No little Indian choir. 18 million hits. The Gaithers again. Mm. Hee Haw Gospel Quartet. Let's do them. All right. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, resurrection share when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the road is called up yonder I'll be there when the road is called up yonder when the road is called up yonder I'll be there Talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then, when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the road is called up yonder, when the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the road is called up That was very good. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll hang on here. Um, what's going on? All right, let's. I want to. I want to hear uh, the Bill Gaither on it. Yeah, that'll be a good contrast. <laughs>
Chaplain John. I'm glad you stopped it's been in tonight. Night. What's that? But I, I said it's been a different night tonight. Well, I don't. Good. Were you here from the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, that uh, movie wouldn't. Uh, I couldn't play it. You know. Yeah. So. It'll yeah. be good also, and it's been good to hear people's questions. I yeah. have a question for you. Okay. Do you remember the video that? Um, Brother Jamil made when the people was baptized in the ditches that they dug. Yes. And yeah. it showed the people coming to the tent. Right. And the song that that man wrote, <clears throat> yes. I don't remember the name and I don't uh, remember him. But do yeah. you have the ability to say that? Um, I love that song and I, I made it our theme song. Um, yeah. Let me. I didn't. What did I do with that? Let me see if I can take a quick look and find it. I can get it from him, but uh, I wanted to save that for that very what you said. That's the one that the Holy Spirit fell on the Hindus. They all wanted to be baptized. Yeah, you know, they uh they all came to the Lord. Um, they were they were dancing on the um. 
they were dancing on the stage. The kids were dancing on the stage and they, they were all, I mean, just like revival broke out before I even preached. Uh Um, I've just been thinking about that song and I can't even get just a little bit of it in my, in my head, but I know I sure did love it. Yeah. I can't find, I'll, I'll get that for you. It's like power in the name of Jesus. Okay. You know, that that's the name of the song. Yeah. That's right. But I if you can't, can't get it tonight, okay. No, I, I can't maybe. find it right now. No. That's okay. Um, wait, All right. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hang on here. What was that? Hang on here. No, can't find it. All right. I'm okay. going to uh, Thank uh, you. call it. I think I'm going to call it a night. I've gotten real tired. So God bless everybody. Sorry it didn't work out with the the uh, movie because uh, I do want to play it. So I'll I'll see about it, purchasing it. It's, it wasn't that much to purchase, and I'll look at the fine print about purchasing to see if you can uh, stream it or not. So um, I guess we'll say God bless everybody, and um, tomorrow we'll have Dave Hauser. And it will be the um, End Times Prophecy Update. There's always a lot of stuff happening now, always. So God bless you, and uh, thank you for coming. Oh, God of burning, cleansing flames. Send the fire. Your blood-bought gift 